black heart, gold pants, 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 black heart, gold this is Patrick and Adam. I think is eating chips or something. I'm I'm eating pizza. Pizza. Oh, okay. I just had pizza rolls. I just had pizza too. Team pizza. <laughs> Team pizza. Team pizza. Pizza night. Hashtag this baby. Team pizza. <laughs> <laughs> um. Thanks for being on the show. Hey, thanks for inviting me. And having it, it, me. It was, I do uh, have one. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna ask. One quick question. In my in-depth research of the state of Iowa, I just wanted to ask you two. So uh, many people pronounce your coach's last name differently. Is it Ferenc or is it Ferenc? It's Ferenc. Ferenc. Okay. Rhymes with parents. It rhymes with parents. Okay, I have heard every which way to Sunday when I'm watching on TV. Everybody says different things, but not like that's shocking. <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, it, it, he, he's he. People who say Ferenc are are, are stupid. <laughs> oh, you know, being from Nebraska, especially last year with the Colorado <laughs> game, they pronounce all of our players wrong, all of them. <laughs> well, they do that intentionally, though. It's a Colorado. Alex Henry last. <laughs> well, Alex Henry last year, um, I think Musburger called him Hernry. Henry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't name him Henry, like uh, <laughs> Henry Hawk. Like, well, like uh, Henry the Eighth by Herman Thomas. <laughs> yeah, it was. It, it's unreal when you watch to hear how they pronounce different names. And just thinking, who told you that's how to say it? <laughs> that's funny. Um. All right. Well, it's Nebraska week. It so is Nebraska week. I think. I. You know. I, I think. I, I've been waiting for this game forever. So. <laughs> Um, Do we still not know what the what the trophy looks like? No, we don't. Uh, we speculate though. Bo, uh, I, just, I think we should. Bo claimed at the presser on Monday that he's seen a picture of it, and of course, all the media said, "Well, can you show us that picture?" And he goes, "Well, I don't have it on me." <laughs> of course, you you don't have not seen it. <laughs> Bo it's, just likes to get everybody spun up. Winner gets Carl. <laughs> <laughs> Carl. <laughs> My favorite is every year we play for Carter Lake. I like that. I actually yeah. thought about writing a post about that too, about how Carter Lake like tried to break off from Nebraska. Nebraska. Except for they kind of broke into Nebraska. Right. It didn't really quite work out right. <laughs> yeah. Um, that I think that was. I think somebody started a Twitter hashtag like initially when they decided that the Heroes game and they were going to make the trophy, and it was right after the Iowa Iowa State. Trophy had all of those issues. <laughs> and someone started, I think, well, what do you think it's going to look like? And, oh, there were some pretty funny responses. I like how you said that the, the Iowa State Trophy had issues as if it was elect counseling, <laughs> which is I, certainly true. I think it actually was. Those poor kids on the trophy were having real separation anxiety. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe that. Trophy. <laughs> they they put kids on a trophy. How did that not work? How did people not love kids on a trophy? Snakes on a plane. And, you know, corn 
because that just sums up everything about your state and our state. Right. Yeah, we're, we're, that's all we do. I just love all of the suggestions that we've had is Farmageddon, Corn Bowl. I, I think when our innocent society and your president's leadership, whichever, those two groups, when they decided that they're going to do the student trophy to pass, I purposely voted for the pitchfork just because it was the only one not involving corn. Right, and it, it's also a murder weapon. Um, okay. Oh, can we... you imagine how great that would have been after the game? You pick up the pitchfork. <laughs> <laughs> Stab the other player to death. <laughs> Uh, Jared Crick killed the guy with a trident. Um, <laughs> all right, it's like, it it's like the movie Anchorman. You might yeah. want to lay low for a little while. <laughs> That's why he's been out the rest of the year. <laughs> this would probably just stay in. We've already kind of started. We'll just we'll throw the intro in here. Blackheart Gold Podcast episode seventy three. Um, it's it's Nebraska Hate Week. Here, excuse me, Hero Week. <laughs> um. And uh, uh, Pat Vitt, Adam Jacoby here, um, and we're joined by by our good friend Aaron Sorensen from from Husker Locker, who is a terrible, terrible person for the next four or five days. Mm-hmm. Terrible, terrible person. Yes. The same could be said about you too, though. Well, I used to live in Nebraska, so I was good for a little while. <laughs> Well, actually, Adam was saying on Twitter that Nebraska produces horrible people, and yes, that's he called you out on that, too. You know, those first seven years of my life were very formative. Um, <laughs> you know, watching Turner Gill really changed my life and made me a terrible, terrible person. And I brought all that hatred and, and awfulness to Iowa um, and have never left. Um, by the way, AJ, how you doing? Yes. Oh, I'm I'm doing great. Uh, I'm I'm enjoying a uh, a nice vintage right now. It's a 2011 Diet Coca Cola. Um, wow, that's that's, that's going to be my well. I got to get up early tomorrow. This podcast is lamer than it's ever been. <laughs> Do you want me to lie to you and tell you I'm hammered? You're just drinking absinthe. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'm drinking, I'll be talking with the spirits that I see later. How's that? I'm drinking Bell's Hell Hath No Fury Ale. Ooh. Which I paid way too much money for, for a, a six pack of beer. But wow. I'm, making up, I'm making up for your diet cokeness, AJ. Thank you. I'm drinking water out of a Big Twelve cup. That's, that's wrong on so many <laughs> levels. I don't know how to start with that. It's a hologram, though. They sold them last year as the final year in the Big Twelve, and then conveniently this year, if you want to complete the collection, you can get the holographic Big Ten cup. Nice. Wait, they're selling, we're still selling hologram cups? Oh, welcome to Memorial Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's talk about Memorial Stadium, specifically the team that's inside it. The uh, Nebraska Cornhuskers. Um, an interesting year for Nebraska. You changed leagues. You've had a couple of, I, I dare I say, bad losses. Um, I'd say that's fair. Yeah, I... Look, we we sympathize with you in the Northwestern thing. That happens. It mm-hmm. happens to us all the time. We've heard that. Iowa yeah. fans have sympathized. Right. It's the one time that we were like, we feel your pain, Nebraska. <laughs> um, what happened last week, though? Oh, you know, I think the one thing that Nebraska has been struggling with is consistency, and we've seen that this season. We've seen it the last couple seasons, in fact. But one of the biggest issues that we've had with the consistency factor is – we have a hard time 
coming off of emotional wins. I mean, you look at Michigan State, you come off of that big, that big, beautiful 24 to 3 point win and Northwestern beats us. And then you have this great win over Penn State and then Michigan beats us. We just have a hard time for some reason, whether it's on the coaching level, if it's just we need to coach up the players a little bit more not to get so hyped up, whatever the case is, we just have this problem right now where we cannot stay consistent. We just get too worked up, we get too excited, we let our emotions run wild, and it kind of just lets us fall flat on our face. Well, I can't imagine with that coaching staff why you'd have trouble with keeping your emotions in check. <laughs> I mean, Texas A&M last year was a Texas Tech and um, I, I'm blanking that part of the season out last year. It's okay. Um, I, I choose not to remember a anything about Texas and b whatever game it was that bow national television. <laughs> um, okay, the I, I think it, it's fair to say that um, you know the, even though Taylor Martinez is probably the most highly uh, talked about. Uh, player on that offense. The, the the guy that really makes it go is Rex Burkhead. Um, what what's the deal with him not being able to get to a uh, hundred yards in each of the three uh, losses that Nebraska has? A lot of it has to do with our offensive line. We've had a lot of injuries. Mike Caputo has been injured. Yoshi Hardrick, uh, who is a huge factor on our offensive line, he hurt his ankle um, against Northwestern and. Whenever those, we've been plagued by a lot of injuries this year, and I'm not using that solely as an excuse, but when you do have injuries and you're bringing in new guys or you have guys who are playing through those injuries, it's difficult to stop that defensive line. And that's ultimately what it is with, there's a couple of factors. That's one of the biggest ones. But then also, if people watch enough film, they can figure out, well, the ball's most likely going to get handed to Rex, and if you want to single him out and focus on him, that's probably your best bet. But, I mean, you even see that with Taylor. Usually Taylor can find a hole and get his legs going and running. But it, when our offensive line is as banged up and as injured as they are, it's get going. And you saw that, especially against Michigan. They were just very slow. They were having a hard time getting off their blocks. And when that happens, there's just nowhere for anyone to run. So you can't expect Burkhead to have a 100-yard game. Plus, I'm amazed his legs are still working at this point. It is yeah, a miracle yeah. they're still working. He's taken almost as much of a pounding as, as Coker has, and he's not as big a guy as as uh, the, the coked-up werewolf. I, he's he's really he's had a heck of a year, and, and I, it pains me to compliment a Nebraska running back, but he's yeah. spectacular. Well, I would I would compliment Marcus Coker as well, so I think it's a mutual appreciation if that says anything. Okay. Well, well, that that that, that has no no business uh, being any part of this rivalry. So yeah, uh, right. Iowa Nebraska hate week. Yeah, right. exactly. So hero uh, week. <laughs> that's that's not going to be not funny to me ever. <laughs> um, so I I think um, I hero Rex Burkhead so much uh, <laughs> that I hope he falls into a well, uh, and you know no, nothing permanently. Uh, debilitating, but uh, in, enough that he feels pain and can't play for you guys. Um, that's the extent of my hero for that that awful, awful man. Um, no, I, I was I was gonna uh, also point out that uh, if he does play, if he's if he does stay out of wells, um, I have a feeling that he's gonna get about 350 yards this week. 
Well, and he's angry. Too. Well, he doesn't really get angry. I guess that would be unfair. But he he's a very motivated player. He's a big leader on our team. He doesn't always come across like this, but he's actually very vocal. And when he has a game that is as frustrating as, say, Michigan was, he has a tendency to come back that next time and do just about anything he can to win. So I, I definitely think that Iowa is going to need to be looking out for that because if any kind of room to run, he's going to be gone because he he had a week where he wasn't able to do that, and I think he's ready to just finish out this season as strong as he can going into a bowl game because we're not going to see the Big Ten Championship. So this is pretty much it for our guys. This has now become the Big Ten Championship for them. It's been our Big Ten Championship all year. (laughs) (laughs) We maybe came in with some higher expectations. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, so, So you've almost made your way through through one season in your new conference. What is your your personal opinion of the differences between the Big Ten and Big 12, other than the fact that you, we don't have a hegemony caused by the Longhorns? Um, how do you feel about life in the Big Ten after about six months? Well, you guys are... You guys are very well matched. I mean, on any given week, it seems like anyone is at the top of the Big Ten, and that was never the case, it felt like, in the Big 12. But, I mean, when we came in, people said things, you know, about traditions, or they talked about the size of the Big Ten was going to be different than the Big 12. And honestly, I'd say for myself, there's been frustrating moments. I I mean, we... We have a tendency to, if you haven't figured this out about Nebraska fans yet, we have a tendency to expect to win everything all the time, no matter no. what. No, What, the best fans in the yes. world? Really? The greatest fans in college football want to win all the time, and if we don't, we do get a little wide. We we just have a lot of expectations, and I'd say, though, at the end of the day, our, the way we view our team and the appreciation that we have for it, not that the Big 12 doesn't have that, but I just think that our our whole mentality just aligns a little bit more with the Big 10 now, especially going forward. I, I've had such a good time traveling, especially for the most part, and getting to see new schools and just, you know, you have your fans like Wisconsin who just want to be the meanest people on the planet to you, but (laughs) you also have those people that say, you know, welcome to the Big Ten, we're really happy to have you here, and it's just a very, Nebraska, anybody who comes to Lincoln, Nebraska, and experiences Memorial Stadium will tell you, you'll learn very quickly, they are very nice fans, they clap for the team at the end, win or lose, and it's just a different, we have a very different environment, it's not very hostile, our team has the joke that our fans are harder than them on the than they are on the other so we've always kind of just been we did we just like a nice clean game and so i just feel like sometimes we align a little bit better with the big 10 than some of the big 12's mentality now quick uh sidebar there uh erin was having a little bit of trouble with her her connection so we've got her via phone now rather than via skype and erin was telling us that uh, a joke about their fans so we'll we'll let her take it back away go ahead well we were talking about how nebraska fits in the Big Ten, and I said, I just feel like the mentality and the attitudes just work a little bit better. And one of the biggest jokes in Lincoln is actually from our team, and they say that the fans are harder on them than we are on the opposing team because we will stand and cheer for any team, win or lose, as they leave the stadium, but then we will we will have at it <laughs> with our own team. So. They, they often feel like we like the opposing team more than we like them. 
Yeah, I uh, I, I distinctly remember Taylor Martinez catching a a, a boo or two uh, earlier this year, and uh, and I think sometimes last year too. Is that that's correct, right? Uh, the boo that you're thinking of this year came. It was the week after Wisconsin, and I remember it was right before halftime, and it was it was a pass that I believe turned into an interception, and fans booed allegedly, <laughs> and we will use that word allegedly. But I think sometimes people confuse. Last year, I don't know if there was so much booing, but people have a tendency of thinking Husker fans boo a lot, and we actually have a lot of players that have come through our program with the last names like Rude and Sue. And so anytime they did anything, we would we cheer Rude or Sue. And whenever Sue visits, he gets that as well. So sometimes when they put him on the big screen, it'll be right after a play. And it sounds like all of Memorial Stadium is booing. Uh, additionally, um, half of them were saying boo earns. So there's <laughs> that too. We had the same problem when we had players named Shada. They were they were saying they were saying Shada, but it just sounded like booze on television. What's actually funny is coming into the season, people people were trying to figure out well who can we who can we do the ooh in their name, and there really wasn't anybody. So people were like trying to figure out like can we do like Rick Bookhead? And like, I'm just sitting there going, it's not going to work. Just let it go. We're going to have to wait some time. Yeah, but yeah. Sure. Any booze you've heard this year, they're probably legitimate. Boo Workhead is way funnier than Boo Earns in that joke. Yeah, okay. Yeah, congratulations, Jacoby. You're not funny anymore. Nope, I'm, I'm less funny than a Nebraska fan. Which basically it's makes a low you point in my life. completely, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, I I guess the the question I have is, where what's, what's been the big difference, I guess, with, with Big Ten play? I know you said, you know, Nebraska seems to fit a little bit better, and I think that's probably true, I think, as far as, um, mentality goes, the Big 12 was never a perfect fit for Nebraska because it, it did have that kind of southern bent to it. Um, but what's the, what's the biggest difference you see in, in on field, whether it be talent, system, uh, mentality? What, what, what have you noticed? Well, as we all know, Bo Pliny played for Ohio State, so I think he, first of all, coming into the Big Ten, understood the play a little bit better. Uh, the, the difference is with the Big 12 is the Big 12 is much quicker. You see a lot of speed in the Big 12. You don't really see a whole lot of bruisers on defense. It's a, it's a very different game. That's why when Callahan came in a couple, or gosh, I almost said a couple, now several years ago, that's why the West Coast offense was such a highly touted thing because everybody was, no one was running in the Big 12. I mean, you look at teams like mm-hmm. Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma State is throwing the football every other play, whereas Nebraska has always been notorious for being a running team. So the Big Ten's been a better fit for us, you know, with the running game especially, allowing Rex Burkhead to get running, Taylor Martinez to get running. We don't really use our wide receivers unless we need to, if we need to push the defense back a bit. So that's been, that's been, I think, the biggest bit is just our running game has been much more improved with the Big Ten because that's more of a focus than putting the ball in the air every other play, which, which against us, we, people were finding some success against us on that one towards the beginning of the season. But thankfully our, our secondary has figured those issues out a bit. 
But yeah, it's just I'd say my biggest thing is just the running game. Yeah, what was the deal with the what was the deal with the secondary in, in the uh I guess you would you would call it the first half of the year where they were um not even average by um uh like BCS conference uh team standards. Uh and, and, and now they look legit. You know, now they're uh you know, shutting teams down. I mean look at what they did to uh Michigan State and then, you know, look at what Iowa's secondary let Michigan State do. Um what where was the turnaround there? What what happened? His name is Alfonso Dennard. That is your turnaround right there. It just took him getting back into the game and getting his getting his sea legs back, for lack of a better word. But I mean I'm I'm gonna be a little to be blunt, they played like crap at the beginning of the year and I think mm-hmm. a lot of it had a lot of it had to do with Alfonso being out. He was the leader. He has always been the leader. And we saw that against Michigan State. He was just in beast mode. I mean, he when he switches into it, you do not want to get in his way. When you have Alfonso Dennard and Levante David, you know, having Levante David up with the front, you know, with the front seven, and then you've got Alfonso Dennard back, it's, they play lights out when the two of them get into that zone. And I just think before when he was out with his injury and then when he was first coming back and kind of getting comfortable with it, there was just kind of this lackadaisical. Nobody really knew what was going on. Um, Austin Cassidy was often getting just schooled by anybody that could get the ball to somebody around him. He was constantly behind whoever the receiver was. It was so frustrating. And Sean Fisher was getting schooled every other play. I just think they were lost without their leader. They didn't really know what they're doing, and I think that a lot of our secondary feeds off of Alfonso Dennard, and I know that's giving him a lot of credit, but he really honestly deserves it. Oh, Adam made the segue, and, and so I guess I'll, I'll ask my version of the question. Um, I don't know if there was a unit that got more hype entering the year than the Nebraska defense, and it has been oh, yeah. average at best uh, throughout the year. What seems to be, I know I know Crick's been out injured, but he wasn't necessarily making a ton of plays to begin with. And and Levante David is is still there and is still an animal. But what what's the problem? Why is it that that Nebraska has has struggled so mightily on defense this year? Well, I did talk. I actually talked a little bit about this, you know, on HuskerLocker.com a bit at the beginning of the season. Is Bo Pelini had said, I'm stepping off of defense. It's time for me to be the CEO of this team. I can't just be a defensive coordinator. So he steps back. And I think in that transition, you know, we're starting to see what Carl is capable of. I'm not going to put all of the blame on him, but I will say that coaching has a lot to do with it. And I don't know how much – there's been a lot of questions in Nebraska, and rightfully so, about if Carl is the best fit for that job in that position. Obviously, it's a tough question to ask because it's the head coach's brother. But I, it has been a question that has come up where if Bo has been stepping back, what is the deal with the defense? And, you know, we have seen a lot of injuries coming into the year. You had Alfonso Dennard, who was out, and you had Crick, who was out, or who is now out. You saw a lot of those injuries come through, and I think that it's just been a combination of things. I think that we've always had a highly touted defense, but with the combination of Bo stepping back, and then, you know, we've lost Sue two years ago, and Sue was very much a part of that defense and really getting them motivated. I said it last year. I'll say it again. We don't have anyone like Sue on our team that 
wants to be a leader, and that's a huge issue. We don't have anybody who wants to step into that role. They all want to play. They all want to be the. They all want to do their job, but nobody wants to be that guy, and that's tough because when you don't have that leader to get everybody fired up and wanting to keep going no matter what the score is, they just kind of get lazy, it seems like. You know who I think that leader and, could be and should be? I'm only saying this. I want to say his name on air. Uh, sophomore cornerback Dijon Washington. <laughs> I, I think that's a great name. Really? I think that's a great name. That's the reason I bring it up. That's, a, that's one of the best names I've ever seen. Dijon Washington. Um, there are some pretty good names. Yeah, you guys, you're doing all right. I mean, Purdue wins the title this year for best name team. Um, <laughs> I, they've got some just phenomenal ones in there. But you know, you might have the MVP. I mean, Dijon Washington's a really, really great name. Um, yeah, it's actually not that bad. You know, it's funny. I'm looking at his name right now on our roster, and even looking at it, it kind of almost looks like a, like a spicy mustard name. Yes, a little the classy. Bit. Or like a classier version, like something you'd see in a fancy restaurant. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll have the steak, and, and could you top it with the Dijon Washington, please? <laughs> uh, so, uh, if he ever hears this, he will be so embarrassed by that. <laughs> oh, believe me, he won't hear this. It's okay. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's not get ourselves here. Well, we'll pass it on to him. I believe he doesn't want to hear anything from wannabe hack journalists. Um. <laughs> um I, I thought it was interesting, though, that you, you brought up that the, the questions now being asked about Carl, um, mm-hmm. because I, the Nebraska fans I know have all been kind of uh, have done the same thing over the, over the last couple of years, really. The kind of tongue biting. We don't really want to say anything about it because the guy's so much better than what we had before. But we don't know if Carl's necessarily the right man for the job. It, it, did, is there is it a case of that they need someone who is? I feel like that sideline is full of guys who are just a little bit unhinged, and maybe they need somebody who's a little bit calmer, or is it just a, a scheme issue? What do you think? So you're asking, like, why we why fans have an issue with I, I guess, Carl? Or why what, what do you think the issue might... Well, I, I should say, what, what do you think the, the issue is potentially with Carl? Is it is it mentality, or is it schematic? I just, you know, I, I don't know... I mean, and obviously these are just the things that you're sure. you're hearing from fans in the last, well, it's any time after a loss. Right. But a lot of it I think people are just worried about whether he's actually, you know, if he really does have the ability to put together a championship-worthy defense. I mean, you look at Bo Pelini when he was at LSU, he was putting together a pretty stellar defense there. And he still does put together a great defense. I mean, he did coach up in Dominican Sioux. That was, it was Callahan's fine, but it was coached up by Bo. I, I mean, you see a lot of these players who have evolved and a lot of those ones that came out, they were, they were coached up because of Bo. And the question just keeps arising if Carl actually is defensive coordinator material. Or maybe he should just be focusing on one position. Maybe that's really what he would be best at. But the question is, should, I don't know if it's that people don't, you know, he is the calmer of the two Pelinis, so it's not that he gets more angry or anything else. It's just, you know, you don't know if he really fits in that role, yeah, I guess. That's yeah, and, and you also can't ever uh, demote a coach, it, it seems like. 
Like it's either right. up or out whenever you when whenever you have to make a change. So, um, you know, it, it it'd be one thing to be like, oh, all right, Carl, let's just stick you on the linebackers now. But but functionally, the moment you try to do that. Um, he's going somewhere else because there's going to be somewhere else that wants him as a defensive coordinator. And you don't want to get on like a down slope of your career, especially at his age. You know, it's not like he's 75 years old or anything. Right. And both made it clear he's not going to let – he doesn't want Carl to – basically the idea is Carl should go somewhere and be a head coach. But I, I don't think Bo would ever let Cal- – or I was at Callahan. I don't think Bo would ever let Carl off of his – Staff if he didn't know that there was a good next step for him. And that's the tough part, especially with family, is, you know, Bo wants to look up for Carl. If Carl's not a fit here, though, how do you, how do you make that work, especially is anybody else asking for Carl Pliny's defense? We don't, I don't know. We haven't found out, but I, that's the only thing that's going to be tough is I know when fans start to say, well, what other options are out there? Well, it's a little different, more difficult when it's a family affair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, Nebraska, I mean, obviously you just graduated Henry, and and now Brett Mayer is pretty, is it Mayer, by the way? Maher. Maher, excuse me, Maher, is a pretty... No, you're not, like, every every announcer calls him everything under the sun, so... More. Mayer. <laughs> um, is another, but he's another pretty damn good kicker. I, where do you guys keep finding these guys? Is there a... As an Iowa fan, we know how special teams suckage can can kill your team. So, is there a is it a coaching thing, or is or they just continue to be lucky finding good kickers? We apparently breed kickers in Nebraska because Maher is from Kearney and Henry is from Omaha. So it's it's apparently something's in the water. But I I don't even know. I mean, these guys they've got heck of they both have a heck of a leg on them. Obviously, Alice is now with the Philadelphia Eagles. But we have just been so lucky with them. I mean, one name that never really gets brought up is Adi Knalik, who did our, our did all of our kickoffs last year with Alex. And, I mean, his leg is just as strong and phenomenal as well. And it's amazing. But he came from Texas, but we don't talk about that state. No, so, so he doesn't really exist. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we, it's just amazing. We keep producing these kickers, and people keep saying that, but I will tell you one thing that makes me really mad. Maher did not get on the Groza final. Like, he's not a finalist for the Groza Award. And neither was Alex Henry last year. And neither was Henry. I am so beyond frustrated with that. Like, I, I, I'll spare you, but I definitely was saying some choice words when I saw that list come out. I mean, I, Maher's stats are solid. I mean, 17 to 20, um, 3 of 6 from 50 plus, certainly... Um, at least in contention as a as kicker. The Henry thing last year was insane. I mean, the, he was the best <laughs> kicker in college by a long way. It doesn't make the, the the final list was was nuts. Almost as crazy as Marvin McNutt being kept off of whatever list it was that Marvin McNutt was kept up off of. The, the, the Belitnikov. I'm supposed yeah, to be that, up in arms about that. <laughs> you should be. <laughs> See, what just makes me so mad is I look at these stats, and, I mean, Maher this year averages 67 and a half yards on a punt, and, or no, that's the average of the everybody else is 67.4 yards, and he's at an average of 67, so his average is already higher. And he leads the Big Ten with 17 punts of 
50 yards or longer. He's placed 20 punts inside the 20-yard line, and he's had only two touchbacks on the season, so he's doing exactly what Henry did, where he pins them deep and usually gets it miraculously on the two-yard line. How he didn't, I don't know, that you could just spin me off into a tangent for days on this one. Is he is he all right after that block punt? Again, I don't know what it's in our what's in our water because people said that about Burkhead when he got injured. Uh, he was having those terrible cramps, and I've never heard Memorial Stadium go so quiet as when he was on the ground. Yeah. But some of them just you know Burkhead gets up the next play, runs it in the end zone against Michigan State. Same thing happened just this last week with Maher. He it looks like something. I'm thinking. I'm seeing. They're thinking he is torn his ACL, his MCL, he's broken his leg, it's going to be terrible. Kid gets back up and just punts a six yards. He just punts the ball all the way down the field. I'm thinking, I'm not worried about these kids anymore. They're apparently superhumans. <laughs> I don't know what we do. Let, let, let's See, we call Burkhead Superman for a reason, and so maybe Maher deserves to be called some other superhero. I, I vote for Magneto. Uh, I, I, I'm going to vote for um, for actor. I, I I think he was faking then. You know that, but that I'm not I'm not saying that to disparage him. Uh, it, what he played for Michigan bit. State now? Is that really what we're? Oh, talking? Whoa, 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 whoa. wait! You are going to say that he was faking it after the whole thing that came out today with Michigan saying Polini said on Monday that Michigan is like Michigan State and fake injuries. Michigan State is, or Michigan has now come out today and said, we don't do that. We would never do something like that. Well, I, I'm just saying it's it's an integral part of punting is to sell whatever happens to you and, and try to get a flag. Um, it doesn't make him a bad person or a bad punter. But um, it looked did as see, if... You did see the replay, though. Like, it did look like his knee got caught up. I'm sure he faked it a little bit more, but it did look like his knee got caught up, and that's what concerned me, is that can just be so bad. Right, right, but but then he's back out there kicking. So, uh, un- unless you're suggesting he has Wolverines, uh, I'm, I'm not going to make any more comments. He might. <laughs> he might. Uh, that's the last one I'm going to make. Can we stop talking um, about superheroes, please? Yeah, why don't <laughs> This podcast is already nerdy All right, enough. then the next... Few- <laughs> So, and then the Green Lantern. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Aaron. Um, let's get down to brass tacks here. Uh, when, when Iowa walks in to uh, historic Memorial State. Oh, by the way, I want to ask this before we get there. Um, as part of your entrance to the Big Ten, is it true that, that Tom Osborne and the rest of the fan base was required to um, disown their final national championship and concede that Michigan was the better team that year. Oh, heck no. Hell no. That is going to be... That was actually a joke because apparently the Big Ten has trophies for every game. I, just, right. By the way, actually, so not only do you guys have trophies for every game, but do you have a specific soundtrack that every Big Ten school is given? Because... Every game I've been to, it's the same 70s and 80s songs with Sweet Caroline, um, different ones. And then what is the deal with everybody in that stupid White Stripe song? <laughs> That's a good question, it, actually. It's it's the Midwest. You know, <laughs> like that that song is new here. We, so, like, like, the novelty hasn't worn off yet. 
Sermon's like, oh, well, the White Stripes. Let's, let's check out this hot <laughs> new song. As for the 70s and 80s what? soundtrack, how, first off, how dare you disparage Neil Diamond? And second, yes, <laughs> well, I'm, Neil, so sorry. I'm not disparaging it. I'm just saying everybody plays it. Yeah. It seems like you guys have a soundtrack that someone forgot to give us. Oh, you'll get it. Believe me. Two or three years from now, it'll all come back around, and, and you'll be listening to um, Danger Zone before every kickoff. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I can already, I've already started to notice we've been kind of shifting the music we've been playing See? in the stadium, so See, it's maybe happening. It's, it's a progression. It's a gradual um, But, yeah, you're saying about the trophy. It seems like everybody has trophies, so someone had suggested we make a mini- national championship trophy from that year and play for it every year. That would be awesome. And <laughs> that is incredible. You should play, play every for year the for the 1997 championship. I love that. Yes! <laughs> I, I, I would be okay with that. I, I, well, because we also said with Northwestern, we play with them to whoever wins gets to be the real NU for the year. Could, <laughs> so at this point, Nebraska has lost the right to be NU you, and our 97 title. <laughs> Nebraska is always the real NU. Northwestern is JNWU. We all know that. They're just. just I, you know what? I said they're N. They're at least NWU, and they said, "Well, you guys are UNL. You're the University of Nebraska." Mm. And they said, "No." Shot no. fired. Yes, I was like, "No," and I will tell you why. Because it is a Big Six and a Big Eight thing. Let me tell you about the Big Six and the Big Eight because those were the glory days, and then Texas came and ruined it all. That's what they always do. Texas ruins everything. Just ask Davy Crockett. They do, and somebody said one time at the beginning of the season that Texas was looking at the Big Ten, and I about cried. Yeah, we're still going to get them. Oh, just yeah, that that that's going to happen. Don't don't worry, you, you'll be reunited with right. Longhorn. So. <laughs> we'll be in a bowl game with them. <laughs> we'll, we'll put one second back on that clock. Oh, <laughs> I know. I was joking. Too soon. Too soon. I was joking after their game last weekend when. Uh, when who are they playing this last weekend? But I said I was like, can you put a second back on the clock? I'm sure someone is capable of doing so somewhere. Uh, all right. Well, and then I remembered Dan Beebe is no longer their commissioner, right. so no, no a second it. will not go back on that clock. But Dan Beebe is still pretty glorious. I, I must say, I, I wish he was still there because well, life is a is a, is a better thing when when Dan Beebe is prominently involved. Um, Okay, I think he wishes that too. Bra- brass tacks here. Uh, two predictions: one, uh, who wins in final score, and two, what's this hero's trophy going to look like? Oh, well, we're a ten and a half point favorite over Iowa right now, so That's nuts, isn't it? That is a lot, but you are walking into two things. You're walking into Memorial Stadium, and also Vegas knows that Bo likes to come back. Um, That's a good point, actually. Yeah, I'm going to say, I think I've been, hmm, I'm going to think for a second. Where where was I sitting on this earlier? I think, I think I'm feeling 30, 34 Nebraska, 17 Iowa. And what does the trophy look like, Aaron? What are we playing for here? Probably some corn. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're actually probably playing for whatever the trophy was between Iowa and Iowa State. They're just reusing it for us. We are. They already uh, sold. They already sold that at an arts and crafts fair in in Des Moines. They did. Ago, yeah. That was the only thing I wanted for Christmas this year, and it's the one thing I didn't. You can get. pick it up at the Precious Moment shop. 
<laughs> still have dreams. <laughs> this is the worst sleep week ever. Yes. AJ, what do you think? Um. Wait, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I want to hear. I want to hear you think the trophy is going to look like. Well, let's see. I I think it's um you know knowing the Big Ten's penchant for combining two things but not really doing it very elegantly um, and, and and seeing the monstrosity that was the last trophy that they came up with in the Big Ten, you know that that land grant uh, abomination. Um, I have a strong strong sense that um, the combined outline of Nebraska and Iowa, which is not a very um, stylish um, shape or, or anything, not really pleasing to the eye, like that's going to be like bronzed and and like it, it'll be like three feet wide and stuff, and, and it'll be called like the Nebraska-Iowa or the Nebraska-wa or the Iowa-Brasca uh, trophy or something like that where they just like jam the two states' names together and they jam the two shapes together. They're like, it's a trophy for both of them. Yay. Um, that's what I think it's going to be. Uh, it's not going to be remotely creative. Uh, it, here's the thing. If, if it's going to be a corn trophy, I think it should go, it should be about the same thing that most really cool trophies are, which is, um, comically large or comically small. Uh, in relation to its uh, to its actual thing uh, and made of bronze, so I think it should be like a uh, a three foot by three foot or two foot by two foot bronze corn kernel, like the giantest corn kernel you've ever seen, and you get to like cool. hold it up and like wield it like a, like a boulder. <laughs> Okay. And maybe maybe there's like an I on one side and an N on the other, you know, the block I and the block N or something. This or maybe is why not. I wanted the student trophy to be the, the pitchfork. Yes, the, I mean, there is that too. Uh, it, and you should be able to bludgeon somebody with it. Uh, I would love to see somebody get bludgeoned with Floyd of Rosedale uh, or the right. Illibuck. We just have the corn bowl so we can throw corn into the crowd. Right, and that the, these people are trying to escape the corn. But they they see nothing but corn in in their daily lives. They they don't need to be reminded of it once again. So um, anyway, well, we could do what we talked about earlier and just play for Carter Lake every year. I, I feel my thunder. I, <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> I, I I do hate like, week. Yes. <laughs> and hate week requires theft. Uh, anyway, uh, as far as the game goes, uh, I I think that this is going to be. Um, a, a game where uh, Iowa tries gamely but in vain to even slow down the rushing attack. It, it, it's going to be another one of those. Um, if Iowa, you know, does get them into a third down, it's going to be like a third and one or a third and two. And, um, you know, this Iowa defensive front trying to um, plug Burkhead at the line, uh, probably not going to happen. So, um you know, Aaron, you said 34-17. That sounds about right. Um, I have a little more faith in Iowa's defense than that, or, or I should say I have a little less faith in Taylor Martinez uh, than oh. that. So uh, 27-17, Nebraska, something along those lines. It, it, it's going to be a pretty convincing win for the Huskers, though. Boy, I feel like I've been in this podcast before. <laughs> 
And let me tell you why. Okay, first off, the the trophy. Um, for people who are not um, privy to the details of the Iowa-Nebraska border, Carter Lake is a town that is technically in Iowa, although it's on the Missouri side or the Nebraska side of the Missouri River. I almost called you Missouri. I apologize for both Carter yeah, Lake and I, Nebraska. You just took hay week to a That's whole right. new level. That's <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> Uh, it, but it's a town that, that has always been Iowa, but the river shifted, or I don't know how it actually ended up working out. Anyway, Carter Lake's an Iowa town that's on the, the Nebraska side of the river. It's it's weird. Um, and so I think the trophy is going to be that someone is going to wheel one of those houseboats from Carter Lake, and they're going to take it right on down to the stadium, they're going to park it right on the sideline, and the winner's going to take the houseboat right off the trailer, and carry it around, and then like a guy without a shirt that was on Cops in 1996 will come out and go, "Get out of my houseboat," and that'll be the trophy. <laughs> I think you're right. Think this is how it's going to happen. It's going to actually end up being an old dude in the houseboat. That's going to be the trophy. But you know what? You you know what that reminds me of is Missouri. <laughs> after you mizzed us, uh, they actually tear down the goalposts after they win and carry them to their bars. Nice. That's nice. We can do that. Actually. We've done it so that's kind of similar. You just get to take the houseboat to the bar. We tried to do that at Minnesota one time. How that work? Uh, we couldn't get them out of the Metrodome. <laughs> kind of the revolving There's only revolving doors. You couldn't get them out of the Metrodome without setting off of, like, getting the, the fire engines involved, so we had to let it go. Um, <laughs> as far as the game goes, the reason I said that this is this is very much like a former podcast is that the last time that Adam Jacoby was talking about um, a team that ran a a spread running attack with a mobile quarterback who had a questionable arm um, playing Iowa. He said that there'd be a very, a fairly convincing win by by Michigan, um, and we all know how that worked out. Um, look, I'm gonna. But that, that was. I've been I've been wrong about this team in every prediction I've made this year, other than the final record so far, and so I'd probably be wrong about that too. I said they were gonna be seven and five. Um, I'm going to say that Nebraska wins this game because it is on the road and because everyone should be terrified of of historical Memorial Stadium and the, the greatest fans in the history of the world. Um, I'm, I think that's what it says outside of the That's right. And, and as we all know, when you give yourself a nickname, it's certainly true. Um, <laughs> but... I will. I will say that it's going to be far, far closer than, than you guys have said. I think it's going to end up being going to be a lot of points scored on both sides of the box. I don't think Nebraska's defense is anything that, that really uh, worries Iowa that much. I'm going to say Nebraska 37-34. Wow. But, whoa, whoa, whoa! Now, 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 now! Hang on. Do you really think that McNutt's going to get loose on Dennard? I think McNutt's going. Yeah, you're you're also you're also assuming that people. I mean, I don't think their defense is like the most amazing thing, but Dennard and David are going to. You're going to see Dennard is just going to. He'll be in beast mode. That's the only way I can say it. Marcus Coker lives in beast mode. David can make all the tackles he wants five yards after the line of scrimmage. I don't care about that. So. Yeah, I think we're going to be able to run the ball, and I think that's going to open up the play action with whoever is covering McNutt, whether it be uh, Dennard or anybody else. So I'm saying 37, I 34. You I think I, well, you lost Northwestern, so it's kind of the way <laughs> um, I, I'll say 37, 34, Nebraska, and secretly I don't think that might actually be true. But 
I, I think I, I'm going to say Nebraska wins and hope that I'm wrong once again. Um, Aaron, thank you for being on the show. You're, thank you for having you're a me. miserable, awful person for the next three or four days, but. Boo. Well, you are a miserable, <laughs> awful person for the first seven years of your life. <laughs> you know, my mom every year says, you were born in Nebraska, and I say, yes, not by choice. Um, but, but, uh. Blaming the poor mom. Yes, it's all my mom's fault. But, uh, uh, best of luck to you after Friday. And, uh. Thank you. Hopefully we're still on speaking terms. I'm by sure then. we will be. Uh, until next week, when we don't have a game to talk about, Admin Adam Jacoby signing off. Fuck Nebraska. <laughs> wow. <laughs>